Und Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky, the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like cryptids, urban legends, conspiracy theories, aliens, UFOs, or just being completely thrown off in the intro of this show. My name is Colleen. This is Bigfoot Enthusiast Everett. What's up, people? Radio show now. How's it going? Good. Good. (laughs) We, so... Duluth has its own classic rock station. Squatch. The Squatch. Squatch Rocks. Yeah, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Is it like another number or something? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Sorry about that, everyone. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to jump right into it because this is part two of Skinwalker Ranch. So if you're just listening one right after the other, let's just get right back into it. Very, very quick correction. We did have a couple of listeners reach out and give us some feedback. They did point out that I did use the word tribes describing different Native American peoples, and you should just be referring to them as peoples or nations. Tribes is definitely like an antiquated term. Sorry about that. I will say the book does say tribes too, so I may have like subconsciously picked that up. But regardless, going forward, yeah. nope. And if you have other corrections like that for us, let us know. We don't mean to do it. Yeah, of course. But yeah, let's get into it. So just a very quick summary too. From 1994, to 1996, the Gorman family experienced a slew of supernatural events on Skinwalker Ranch. They encountered a very large wolf creature, UFOs on many occasions, orbs, portals in the sky, a camouflaged beast, and their cattle were regularly disappearing and others were mutilated. So after the Gorman dogs were vaporized by an orb, oh yeah, they decided enough was enough and they decided to sell the ranch. They sold it to Robert Bigelow who decided to fund an investigation on the ranch. And the team that was in charge of this investigation was the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS. I'm going to be saying NIDS a lot this episode, because they're the focus now. Before we continue, though, I have a question for you. What what, what do you have to ask? (laughs) Of all the things that the Gorman family experienced that we've already talked about, do you think there's like multiple different things that are home on this ranch or do you think it's like one cause that's causing all of these different types of events so that's what i was trying to think of like i was trying to get my bearings after the last episode because part of me wants to say it's like a random amalgamation of like things just happening in this area maybe drawn by like some kind of force i don't know I don't know either. I just wanted to see or what you thought. what I, I mean, I don't know if I really think this, but I like the idea of like, it's a weird government experiment sort of hot spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Certain f- forces have been acting upon this area and I don't know, drawing weird shit. Yeah. I, I don't know too, but after we go through the investigation, we'll definitely talk more about what we think might be going on because there is going to be a lot more things happening. So yeah, Nids is on the ranch now. And after selling the ranch, the Gormans actually moved to a property that's only 25 miles away from Skinwalker Ranch. And Tom, the father, was a proud man and was still upset that him and his family were driven away from their home and he wanted closure. So Nids actually hired Tom to be the ranch manager of the property and part of their investigation. Interesting. The team wanted Tom to give them advice to show them around the property and watch over the land when the team was away. 
and they wanted him to keep watch over the animals on the property at all times as well. Okay, so they brought animals onto the property? Well, Nids actually purchased several of the cattle from the Gormans because they wanted to use them as a bait for whatever was haunting the ranch. (laughs) Because it definitely seemed like most of the events happening centered around the animals. Sure. So, before Nids could start the investigation, they had to figure out what kind of approach they were going to take. So they theorized that if they went in very heavy-handed with all of their equipment, they risked spooking whatever was on the ranch and driving it away. But on the other hand, if they were not invasive enough, they risked missing out on measurable evidence and wasting their own time. So after some consideration, they finally decided to try and find a medium. So they built a few structures on the ranch. Mm -hmm. They built some new dog kennels for the dogs, and they brought in more dogs as well. Uh, They wanted to use dogs as biosensors, since the dogs would regularly alert Tom of something that was happening nearby. So they wanted to have many dogs on the ranch, too. Okay. The other structure they built was a new trailer that would be very close to the home, and it would serve as the command center and house all of their equipment. How much money this organization had to spend on this one ranch? A lot. And we'll talk about how often the NIDS team comes and goes from the ranch, but they're, they have a private jet and regularly fly in and out from Las Vegas. So this Robert Bigelow guy is a massively rich philanthropist slash paranormal enthusiast. The so, best kind of combo. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that this team and this organization has loads of money at their disposal. All right. And more evidence of that is actually their tools. So they have a lot of tools at their disposal, including night vision binoculars, Geiger counters, a light gathering device called the Fresnel lens, microwave detectors, radio frequency analyzers, and various cameras that could capture in standard lighting and infrared. And that's just some of their many tools at their disposal. Okay. So in 1996, the team consisted of Tom, Dr. Kelleher, who is also the author of the book that I'm using as as this main source, Mm -hmm. an unnamed physicist and a veterinarian, and two other unnamed investigators. Why unnamed? I'm not quite sure why, but there's no question that this team was there. Sure. Because of their purchase and the testimony of the book and Robert Bigelow. Okay. Regardless, it's just weird because you can't verify what they say. True, and that's definitely the case with a lot of this book, but regardless, their evidence is weird. Got it. So, other scientists and investigators would come and go throughout the years of the investigation, and like I mentioned earlier, the team would regularly be relieved by other members of NIDS from Las Vegas. Their first approach was to deploy two teams on the property every night, each team consisting of at least one scientist and one or two other investigators. They would keep in contact with each other with walkie-talkies, and their goal was to capture any anomalies on camera. The first encounter for the team occurred in the early hours of September 16th in 1996. The two teams regrouped in the observation trailer to take a break, and then outside the window they noticed an extremely bright light in the distance above the tree line. It hovered there for about 10 minutes. They were able to rule out any commercial aircraft or helicopters, flares, and any sort of natural phenomenon like stars or meteors. How did they rule that out? Uh, Because it was stationary for so long, but, and I assume based on the time of day and the time of year, they could rule out it was a planet or any sort of comet or... 
And I assume they have images of this. Well, the the first time this is going to be the case with most of this, they try to capture things on camera and it turns out very blurry. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, I guess it's the 90s. They did have state of the art equipment, though. So I guess the question is, is whatever they're trying to capture on film messing with them and able to get into their their film and like digital whatever? Or is it kind of just like they suck at using a camera or is it just a little bit of hoax? We don't know. Okay. But regardless, they did capture some pictures of this light, but they couldn't figure out what the source of it was because it was too far in the distance. Okay. So even though their measurable evidence of the encounter was lacking, the team actually had very high spirits because this was a true unexplained experience they had very soon after investigating. Sure. So over the next few months, NIDS actually didn't have much other luck in capturing anything. They decided to introduce themselves to the locals in the area and were able to interview some of them as well. The team learned that the Gorman Ranch was not the only home to the supernatural in the area. They spoke with members of the Ute Nation as well as neighboring ranchers, and they heard stories of mysterious balls of light in the sky, triangular UFOs, and cattle mutilations similar to those that happened to the Gormans. So people on ranches nearby have experienced similar occurrences. It just seems like Skinwalker has the most... Definitely the most, and they were the most open about it after the word got out. It seemed like a lot of these other ranchers, as well as the Utes, kept to themselves or kept these stories to themselves uh, from fear of, you know, either frightening the community or being ridiculed by their friends and family. So Interesting that nothing would happen for, I guess, that one instance of a ball of light, but nothing happens for several months. It sounds like the Gormans were like barely moved in before shit just continually started happening and that's very true and i think the thought is that whatever was on the ranch and it's not get left at least not yet at this point but it was more unwilling to make itself known because of the newcomers and also all of the equipment that came onto the ranch that's the thought at least so like it's self-aware And wanted to fuck with a family, but now that people are trying to capture evidence, it's hiding. What a little shit. Well, and we'll we'll talk all about theories later at the end, too. We're just going through the investigation now. Right. So whatever was happening was definitely not isolated to Skinwalker Ranch, and then the paranormal encounters were common throughout all of the Unita Basin. However, some more time passes, and on November 10th, Tom was alone on the ranch and saw three yellow headlights on an aircraft in a secluded corner of the property. It hovered only a few feet off the ground, and Tom immediately called in the rest of the team who are currently in Las Vegas. They immediately packed up and flew back to Utah, but did not experience anything themselves for the next few days. But they decided to stay on the ranch for the next few days. Okay. Then on November 13th, the team witnessed a single bright yellow light zoom across the horizon at a speed similar to a jet. It flew to their position and did a 360-degree turn above them and then flew north and out of sight. They were able to take a few pictures, but the images of the light were blurry and inconclusive. Similar events happened over the next few months, but it was a game of cat and mouse. They were Mm -hmm. trying to get film or pictures. You got to have it already and you never know when it's going to show up. Pretty much, yeah. It would appear out of nowhere and be gone within a few seconds. Right. So on January 21st of 97... Tom was tending to the cattle on the ranch when he reported cattle injuries to the rest of the team. One calf had its ear cut off, and two others had holes punctured in their eyelids. 
Hey, does this not sound like animal abuse? If you know that your your cows are going to get mutilated, but you leave them there anyways. What? I mean, it's definitely... What about those dogs? I'm not like a huge dog person, but even <laughs> I know that if three dogs have been vaporized, I wouldn't be adding more dogs to the farm. I, I agree with you. I was just also going to say when it comes to the cattle, I mean, they're Angus cattle meant to be slaughtered anyway. Yeah, but I, but I don't want... To eat a steak if I know it's that being tortured it's being tortured to death. Very yeah. true. Very true. I do agree. But this is just what happened. All right. Rude. So after viewing the injuries, Tom called in a vet to get their professional opinion. And two local vets visited the property the following day. The younger of the two vets said this could not be explained and was not sure what could have attacked the cattle in temperatures at 30 degrees below zero. The older of the two vets conversed with the younger and then, after some private conversation, they changed their opinion that it must have been an attack by a predator. Tom could tell that the younger of the two vets was visibly displeased with the other vet when he was giving this explanation. So, the book at this point makes the argument that this isn't anything shady that mm -hmm. was happening between the two vets. It was more like they didn't want a word of cattle mutilations to get out to the rest of the community because that could be bad for business. Yeah. Um, even though cattle mutilations were happening regularly to many different ranches in the area and also statewide and out of state, too. Yeah, I mean, not to doubt their credentials. It's just a vet can look at an animal and see what's wrong with it, but not necessarily what exactly caused it. It's Very the same true. as like a coroner, like a coroner can determine, you know, this person died by fire, but they may not be able to determine it was spontaneous combustion. True. Like, yeah. and especially predator is such a generic term. An alien could be a predator or well, <laughs> skeeters. I, I mean, don't know. of course, when they say predator, predator, they mean a natural predator, like a wolf or yeah, a bird of but, some kind. But regardless, this was 30 degrees below zero. What predator is out hunting when it's that cold? We live in Duluth. It gets to 30 degrees below zero in the winter. Things go right. outside. Well, right, but they're not actively hunting when it's that cold, and they'll either hibernate if it's that type of animal, or they're just not hunting until it warms up again. If they're out too long, they're going to freeze to death. Yeah. Yeah. That's the argument. No, least. yes, it makes sense. I'm just trying to prove you wrong for some reason. Yeah, I've, I, don't know, I don't know why. I'll fight you back. <laughs> so a few weeks pass and nothing else of note happens on the ranch. So Tom decides to bring the rest of the cattle onto the property as this seemed to spark encounters in the past. On March 10th, the NIDS team received a call from Tom. A prized black Angus calf had been dismembered in broad daylight while Tom had his back turned. So he had his, when you say had his back turned, he was present for this, but mm -hmm. literally turned around. Correct. No way. So you don't not, you're, you're hearing a cow being physically dismembered. We're, we're going to go into the story here. So the, when Tom called this in, the team was back on the ranch within five hours to investigate. That seems like a long time, but they're out of state and they sure. immediately get on their jet and fly, fly in. So no, that's that actually really quick. quick to me. Yeah. Tom tells them the story. He tagged the calf and walked a few yards away to complete other tasks. About 40 minutes later, Tom's dog, which was at his side, alerts him that something was wrong. He turns around and walks the roughly 20 yards away that he was away from the calf, and all four of its limbs had been cleanly ripped from the torso. The ear that he had just tagged, cleanly cut off and missing, 
And again, just like before, there was no blood anywhere. And all of this was done in complete silence while Tom had his back turned. Uh, no way. Okay. We just were going into a building and probably like 50 yards away, a police car hit a deer and you heard it. You heard it. It was loud. That That's what's so freaky about this. What is it that's able to mutilate and or kill these cattle, leave no trace of blood and do it in silence and in a very quick amount of time? Cows are some loud shits. There's no way he didn't, like, the cow didn't get startled for at least a fraction of a second. If we're assuming this is a UFO with an alien or something inside, we don't know what technology they have. And why not just vaporize it like the dogs? We don't know what they're doing with these reproductive organs. Oh, you're right. But, reproductive but in this case, all the organs were still there, from my understanding. The ear. It took the ear and ripped the legs off, but no blood. But did it take the legs? No. Imagine olden days being drawn and quartered with all four of your limbs just pulled off in opposite directions like an X formation. But, uh, That's what it was like. It was just each one was about 10 feet away. I see absolutely no reason for that unless you just fucking hate cows. <laughs> Maybe they do. <laughs> like, I, don't I don't know. I did, did. What do they do with the cow then? Um, like Tom, does, do they eat it? <laughs> I... I would. I would, too. Well, actually, you know what? Maybe I wouldn't, because we don't know what technology is happening. Whatever. You told me you'd eat a radioactive porker. I don't... Did I? Yeah. Didn't we talk about... You wanted to drink cider from radioactive trees. That's different, though. It's because not. it goes through a filtration and fermentation <laughs> process. All right. So, the team, after hearing this story, searches the property for the rest of the day, but finds no evidence of anything happening or, well... Of course, something happened, but they couldn't find any evidence of what did it. Then evening came. Did that vet call and say, hey, might have been a predator? <laughs> Want to check that out? So they're, they're looking for the ear mostly because they knew it would have a yellow tag on it. Sure. And that would be very apparent in their search, but mm -hmm. they couldn't find it. Night comes and they have to call it quits, at least for now, because searching in the dark is not much use. Right. Day comes. They search the rest of the following day, but still finds nothing. But then evening comes the next day, and at about 11 p.m., all of the dogs on the pasture start howling in unison, all pointed towards the tree line on the opposite end of the pasture. Tom and several others got into a truck that was also fitted with a spotlight, and they sped off towards the trees. As they got near the perimeter of the trees, they say that they saw two small glowing balls in the branches. At first, they thought they were orbs, but they were actually able to learn that they were eyes of a dark animal that was perched in the trees. Mm. And it was sitting motionless, like it was watching them. Okay, so like an owl. Well, Tom grabs a rifle that he had in his truck and shoots at the animal. What? The eyes disappear, and he is certain that he made his shot. So they park at the base of the tree and could find no evidence of anything falling from the tree. No blood, no body, no hair, nothing. Sure, but if it was a bird, an owl in particular is known for being silent. It's no owl, because they spot another set of eyes in the nearby bushes, and Tom fires two more shots. And again, he is positive that both of those shots hit the animal, but after searching the area again, no body, no blood, no hair, nothing. All they found were two prints in the snow that were 20 yards away from each other. They were oval tracks about six inches in diameter, with two sharp impressions at the base of each track. 
They looked similar to the print of a bird of prey. Okay. But the impression was so deep that they estimated the animal had to be several hundred pounds. They found Several hundred pounds with a six-inch foot? Mm-hmm. Damn. They find nothing else. And after gathering all of their separate testimonies, they determined that there had to have been two creatures, not just one, one in the trees and one in the bushes, crouching. Tom got a good look at the second beast and described it as a 400-pound wild dog with defined muscles. What? <laughs> and he shot his rifle twice after its muscles tensed, ready to pounce at him. Okay, I was going to ask the same question that I've asked in like 40% of these episodes is why are you immediately shooting at something that you see being weird? But they're investigating. The whole purpose is to well, get evidence. Right. And to me, that wouldn't necessarily involve killing your suspect. Now, was, I get if I get if it's like a giant animal that you think is going to attack you, but you made it sound like there were eyes in a tree. So he decided to murder it. For the first time, or the first encounter of the first beast, that's what it sounded like. But the thing is, they're investigating for paranormal. There's already been dogs that have been three times the size of a normal wolf. So they want a body. They want anything. <sighs> Why can't we just all get along? So, on, <laughs> on April 2nd, Tom reported a dog and a calf had gone missing. The team arrived on the property the following day in the afternoon and learned that something else had happened as well since their last contact. Ellen had been on the property with Tom, and they were tending to four bulls in a corral. They drove to another area of the ranch and returned 45 minutes later, and the corral was now empty. No signs of forced exit by the bulls, so they did not break out. Like, was it was still closed? Yes. Oh. They're searching the area and don't really find anything. But then Tom walks past a small trailer that was neighboring the corral and only had one entrance in and out of the corral. That door had been locked for years, and Tom walks past this trailer and looks inside. All four bulls were crammed inside this very tight space, and they all seemed unnaturally calm as if they were in a trance. What? So they're behind a locked door? Yes. They're crammed in a trailer behind a locked door? Yes. Tom bangs the side of the trailer, and this seems to knock the spell out of the bulls, and they freak out. The four bulls kick and ram the entire interior of this small trailer before kicking out a door on the opposite side of the trailer before stampeding out of it. So there's at least two doors in this trailer. One was locked, but that was the only one that is an entrance and exit to the corral. The other okay. one... They didn't specify it if it was locked or unlocked. Well, they kicked it open. But they kicked that door open, yes. But so it, it was closed. It's not like a bull has thumbs and can open a door. Right, exactly. And also, there's no way that they could have fit into this tiny little trailer. Bulls are obviously massive, and they, I imagine when they say trailer, it's just like a normal, you know, little camper-type trailer. So fitting four bulls inside this thing is a... Hard task. Well, yeah, I mean, even if it sounds like they all did fit, they but, did fit. But they I like can't imagine a bull into willingly a following another bull into a confined space. Right, exactly. So they stampede away, and Tom and Ellen go after them, and it takes them several hours to coax them back into the corral. When the rest of the Nids team investigated this area after learning this story, they noted that the only door that the bulls could have entered through 
was still bolted shut with aged barbed wire going through the bolt. When examining the interior of the trailer, there were still cobwebs on sections of that door, proving that there's no way that door had been opened. The rest of the interior of this trailer was absolutely destroyed by these bulls. Sure. Then they used their tools throughout the trailer and the corral just to see if they find anything out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. They learned that some of the metal bars on the enclosure of the corral were highly magnetized. So much so that it was beyond what their instrument could even read. When the team finished documenting their measurements, Tom told them what else had happened before the team arrived. A cow in the pasture had been chased away by an invisible force. This caused the entire herd of cows to split into two groups, much like the Red Sea in the Bible. (laughs) Okay. Vivid imagery. Whatever force was chasing this cow separated this herd of cows into two groups. And Tom, watching this happen, actually has a compass on his person and notices that the needle on the compass freaks out, does no longer point north, and points directly at whatever this thing is. So it's highly magnetic. Highly magnetized, at least. Whatever it was, it was moving, and this needle was following. It was moving south towards the trees, and the compass stayed locked on the invisible object for exactly 11 minutes. Wow. It stayed around that long? Yes. And he just... Well, I don't know if it stayed around that long or if it finally got out of range where the compass was no longer picking it up. Okay. But it But he just stood there with a compass for 11 minutes. Where it should have been pointing north, it was pointing south towards this thing for 11 minutes before it returned to normal. I mean, 11 minutes is a long time. Yeah. I would have been like two minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right. Well, I guess I got the gist of what's happening. So they note this, and obviously both of these events seem to at least have been somewhat related because of the high uh, magnetism involved. Right. Okay. Several days pass, and during this time, the team captures various unexplained lights with their cameras, but the pictures still do not show what the lights could have been from. Okay. Over these several days, Tom and Ellen actually stayed at their own home to take a break from all of the mayhem they just experienced. They return to the ranch after some time and greet the team inside the observation trailer. The team instantly noticed that their portable magnetic field detector was going crazy, and the strong magnetic field centered around Ellen. She left the trailer and re-entered several minutes later, and the magnetic disturbance was now gone. Oh, man. It would have been really cool if, like, Ellen was... Like a poltergeist or something? Yeah. And it just, she was, like, the reason. And uh, then she was like, curses, he got me again. (laughs) And scuttled back into the ranch, never to be seen again. So, a few months pass now, and still not much else of note. But the Nids is getting sick of what's happening. They're not getting much actual evidence. Yeah, but they are physically experiencing it. I mean, obviously, it's hard to convince other people of what you've just experienced, but like they are convinced that things are happening. But they're they're upset that they're not capturing much of this stuff that's happening. So in May, they decide to build three new large enclosures for the dogs. Each one was an area of about 80 feet by 20 feet with a wire fence standing 15 feet high. On the opposite ends of each enclosure was a tall wooden viewing platform so investigators could have a bird's eye view of the area while also having the dogs nearby. These three enclosures were placed in separate areas of the ranch near past hot spots of activity. 
And after the enclosures were built, the team experienced a massive amount of poltergeist activity. Such as? Padlocks and wiring on these fences would regularly go missing, doors would be opened by themselves, and dogs would regularly escape. And in only the span of a month, the team recorded over nine dozen separate poltergeist-like events throughout the enclosures. And then mm. after this month, the activity seemed to die down, just out of nowhere. That, I don't know. For some reason, that's not as believable to me. Like missing locks, dogs escaping. Dogs never want to be where they're supposed to be. Well, the dogs escape because the doors were unlocked and left opened. I suppose. So, right around the same time that these events stop happening in the enclosures, the team has a completely new experience. While on patrol, the team witnessed a bright blue orb abruptly appear in the middle of a clearing, and it was about the size of a basketball roughly 70 feet away. It hovered in the air in a bobbing motion, roughly 15 feet above the ground, and it was bright enough to light the grass underneath it. Then, as quickly as it appeared, it suddenly vanishes. They point a high-powered spotlight at the area to see if the orb was still there but no longer shining, and it's not there, and they search the entire area around it, but still don't find anything. Several minutes pass, and they return to their post and scan the tree line with night vision binoculars. Then, one of the investigators suddenly spots a large black creature hiding in the trees, blocking out the stars behind it. This investigator keeps his uh, eyes trained on the creature, while Dr. Kelleher was taking long exposure photos of the area. This is because they're trying to capture something, but they can't see it without the binoculars. So he's kind of telling the doctor which area to take pictures of. Okay. The creature was moving, and the investigator followed it. Then he said, out of nowhere, he said, it's got me. It's saying, we are watching you. What? The creature then walked into the forest. This investigator said that Whatever this thing was, it took control of his mind and said it was watching them. <gasps> that's awesome. I mean, terrifying, but like, that's awesome. That's weird. That's that's definitely other than like, of course, the cattle mutilations and the dogs dying. This is the first time that there's been such direct contact. Yeah. Now, just rewinding a tiny bit. It was a blue orb that vaporized the dogs, right? Yeah. So that. Orb that appeared to the Gormans when they were still living on the ranch. It was, I don't know if it was the same size, but it was definitely a blue orb. Right. And so this blue orb, though, is kind of unrelated to the creature that took over this guy's mind, though. Other than that, it showed up before the creature showed up. We can definitely talk about it. Uh, my thoughts are whatever this creature was. It has the ability to use these orbs as like some sort of surveillance. Ah. Because whatever the creature is, it's intelligent enough to communicate. So whether, I don't know. <laughs> it's, whether it's a skinwalker, an alien, whatever, I think it's related to the orb. I'm getting psychic Pokemon vibes. Alakazam. <laughs> so over the summer months, nothing else actually really happened other than the brief encounters that would not usually be recorded. Mm -hmm. So usually orbs in the sky, something like that. Sure. Near the end of August, Tom and his son Tad were trying to shepherd some escaped cows back into their enclosure. During this process, a red golf ball-sized orb appeared near the head of Tom's horse. 
it caused the horse to ride away from the cattle. And after Tom regained control of the horse, he saw that the red orb was actually now distressing a bull in the distance. Then, out of nowhere, a second red orb appears and darts towards Tom's horse again. This causes the horse to charge towards a ridge. Tom had to actually jump off of the horse before the horse fell into the canal 20 feet below. It just like willingly jumped off of the edge of a cliff? It ran across the edge of a cliff because it was so freaked out by this red orb. Okay. But somehow the horse did not sustain any injuries. Interesting. And Tom had to spend a lot of time coaxing the horse back up the ridge. So this is a canal, and I'm imagining it's not just a drop-off. Oh, okay. It's just a very steep decline. Okay, so it would have just kind of... Um, but it's very like, possible, since it was so far down, that the horse could have seriously injured itself. Right, right. I'm thinking like a steep hill, but it must have like somersaulted. There's no way it could have kept its footing if it was running at full speed down such a steep hill. I, I don't think so. But regardless, he didn't see the actual fall since he had jumped off the horse. Right, right. And when he looked down, the horse was fine. Got it. So by the time he was actually able to calm the horse down and remount it, Tom saw these two red orbs driving the cattle towards a creek, despite Tad's efforts to prevent this. Several of these cows fell 15 feet into the creek, some dying and others sustaining serious injuries. While trying to get the surviving cows out of the creek, they saw that same blue basketball-sized orb in the distance near the homestead. It appeared to have been watching them, and then it flew out of sight. The hell? That's why I think these things are just monitoring the situation. Yeah, except for that time it vaporized three dogs. True. I also don't know if that's the same one. That, yes, right. Now, can we just go back to the fact that um, his horse tumbled down a ravine. He got it back up off the cliff and was like, you good? Cool. Work. Well, I mean, the cattle were literally falling into a creek, like, across the clearing, so... I'm just saying, they could be a little nicer to their animals. Tom is actually a very well-respected cattle rancher, and he is very nice to his animals. I'll have you know. (laughs) He's very defensive. So, over the next few days, members of the NIDS team arrive back on the ranch. They spend their time investigating the area of this event and then, after not really finding anything, move on to other portions of the ranch. This story is my favorite story, and it's nuts. It's just, all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just giddy to finally share this one with you. Hold on, let me sit up straight. So, two, two investigators were positioned at the top of a ridge, viewing the area beneath it. After some time, they noticed a very dim yellow light appear about 100 feet below them. One watched with binoculars, and the other took pictures. The light was growing, both in size and intensity. And as the light grew to several feet wide, it became clear that this was a light hovering a few feet off the ground. But it was not just a light. It was a tunnel, much like the ones that Tom had seen in the sky (gasps) when he was living on the property. How could it have gotten bigger? Like it's getting closer to them? No, like it's able to change position. So like this portal, this tunnel, whatever you want to call it, wasn't there, but now it's appearing and opening. Okay. Like a like a spooky movie. Out of the tunnel, a black colored creature crawls out. <gasps> the beast has no face, 
and it touched the ground and walked away. After a few minutes, the light disappears, and the investigators climb down the ridge. When they arrive at the bottom, they smell a very strong and unpleasant odor, and this pungent smell was centered around where the tunnel had been. Tunnel just appears, poops out an animal, and the animal casually walks away? Yes. They And they don't see anything else in the area, and when looking back at the pictures, all that was captured was the light, but not the creature. What? Uh, so, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. So, yeah, these tunnels not only allow these UFOs to travel back and forth, but also creatures. That's so badass. So there's no there's no evidence that this creature was the same or the same species sure. of one that they saw on the tree line when they were uh, taking pictures and then it communicated with them. Mm hmm. But it's a very similar sized creature. They couldn't really get a clear view of that first one in the tree lines. Mm -hmm. But this one, they were able to actually see that it had no face, like it was featureless. So I'm wondering if it is the same creature and it's just able to telepathically communicate and also control these portals so it can travel back and forth from wherever it's from. Weren't the Palos Verdes space brains blue and hovery? And they were used as speaking devices for the aliens. They were also brains and not orbs. Yes, valid, true. Now, my other thought is that the universe is a fucking massive place and it could just be like random tunnels for some reason, opening up in Skinwalker Ranch and just pooping out random randos. True, but why are they all the same types of creatures? You know, massive... Well, you just said that you you didn't know. They, we don't know if they're the same type, but they're of the same type. Because they're both large, black, roughly 400 to 500 okay. pounds. sure. So, this is definitely the most, like, I wouldn't even say evidence that they capture, but this is the oddest encounter they've had. <laughs> sure, yes. I mean, you, you could argue, too, that it telepathically taking control of someone's mind is also very obviously, like... Yeah, there's just something more um, sinister about a tunnel from nowhere opening up. And closing again. Yeah. yeah. So, after this, not really much actually happens. About a year passes, and not really anything is captured. They do occasionally see orbs and unexplained lights, possibly on UFOs, but they're not able to capture anything. So the NIDS team finally decides to place six cameras near the general hotspots of the ranch. These cameras were set to record 24-7, and the activity on the ranch dies down even after that. So the NIDS team actually decides to start investigating other areas of the country. Okay. So this investigation is kind of winding down, but after about another year after the cameras were placed, Tom contacts the team to let them know that three of the cameras had stopped recording. When these three cameras were inspected, it was discovered that the three cameras were initially all suspended on a pole facing in different directions of the property, mm -hmm. but the cameras were actually vandalized, it seemed. The wiring had been ripped out, and duct tape was initially wrapped around the cameras, but that was unwound and ripped off. And the PVC pipe that was suspending the cameras in the air had fallen and was bent all out of shape. So the team reviews the footage of these three cameras, and all three of these cameras stopped recording at almost exactly the same time. 
They tried finding evidence of like a lightning strike or something like that, but there's no evidence of that. Mm -hmm. Um, That wouldn't really explain the wiring being ripped out either. So they actually discover, though, after reviewing that footage, that one of the other cameras of the three that were not damaged was actually facing the pole that the three damaged cameras were mounted on. They review the footage of this camera and find that nothing had actually even destroyed the cameras. In the footage, they witnessed the red lights of the cameras turn off, but nothing had visibly turned them off. Nothing visible actually brought down the pole, took off the tape, and destroyed the cameras. But they could see it happening? Yet it just happens. Interesting. That's very ghosty. And then we have one last encounter after that happened. In April of 1999, Tom and Ellen were on the ranch when they noticed the bulls in the corral were kicking up a lot of dust. So they go to investigate, and they see something they've never seen before. A beast was attacking the cattle, and it was a large and muscular animal with very short legs. It looked like an oversized hyena, a head with a dog and a large bushy tail like a fox. Okay. They believed it to be roughly 200 pounds. So Tom exits the truck and runs into the corral. Towards the beast? That, that's what I was going to say. I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, why is he doing this? But at the same time, 200 pounds, it's not that big. Okay, but here's the thing. He doesn't even care about these cows. These cows are bait cows. Why protect the cows he, that you... He does care about the cows. <laughs> He's the ranch manager. So when he runs into the corral, the animal immediately takes off running and goes into the trees. Tom tends to the injuries, and the cattle only had minor scratches. Tom believes that the animal was actually toying with the prey because it could have easily done a lot more damage. But you just said 200 pounds isn't that big. But it's got sharp teeth, and who knows what that bushy tail do. I mean, how heavy is the, <laughs> how heavy is the average cow? Uh, they, they mentioned it quite a few times in the book. I, I think like 1,000 pounds, maybe a really? little less. I don't know, 800 pounds, something like that. I suppose a 200-pound man could tip over an 800-pound cow. Cow tipping? I don't know if cow tipping is actually a thing. I think that's kind of a myth. <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're listening to this and you've actually tipped a cow, let us know. I, <laughs> I don't believe it, but prove me otherwise. <laughs> so this was the last recorded encounter on Skinwalker Ranch while Dr. Kelleher was still employed by NIDS. Okay. So that's basically all of the investigation, at least that's recorded in the book. And there's quite a few different theories of what these things are. Okay, lay them on me. Well, first, I want your opinion. After hearing all of the new tales and encounters, do you have any new thoughts? I don't, because it's still the same random mishmash of, like, weird shit. It's like everything we list at the beginning of every episode. Right, yeah. It doesn't seem related at all, other than the fact that it's all occurring on Skinwalker Ranch. I have my own theory that I will save till the end. And it's kind of hinted at in the book, but it's never directly come out and said, this is a theory. But let's kind of go through what Dr. Kelleher thinks. Okay. First one, a hoax. Yeah. So obviously, you got to be skeptical, especially when you're, you know, a scientific investigative team. You want hard evidence. Yeah. And they didn't really get hard evidence other than a few pictures. Uh, They took pictures of the, the tracks they saw and obviously the cattle mutilations. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they don't really have any hard evidence. Sure. So a lot of it could have been a hoax. And it seemed yeah. it seemed like 
a lot of the events, even after the investigation started, seem to have happened only to Tom or Tom and Ellen. Yeah. The the team did witness a lot of things themselves, but a lot of these bigger stories happened without the team present. And that's he a, reports them later. That's a really good point. Now, do we know anything about Tom's background? What's he like? <laughs> well, now we do, um, because his true identity is known. But I don't want to out him. No, I, right. I guess what I'm saying is, do we have any descriptions of, like, his character? Is he known he, to be uh, a prankster? No, not at all. A very proud man, cattle rancher, doesn't really like people getting in his business. And it's only after these events that he decided, I need to stay involved because I need closure. Okay. So, I mean, obviously some of it could have been a hoax. Maybe not. <laughs> Who knows, right? There's no way of knowing. But next theory, delusions. Like mass delusions? Some of them, especially with lights, could have been delusions. But when it comes to like things, you know, ripping up hurt cattle, that doesn't really explain anything. It seems to me that in multiple cases, there were multiple people who claimed to have seen this thing. These Whatever, things. these things. Yeah. Now, maybe that first Skinwalker one, you could to me, maybe count off as like a mass delusion among the family, like convincing each other of what they saw. But we're talking members of a scientific study. Right. Seeing very specific faceless creatures popping out of weird tunnels. I, I, I do want to clarify something with that story, too, because I, I mean, there was a lot I wanted to talk about and cover on this episode. So I wasn't very specific with that story. So I wanted to clarify something. So there were two people that, yeah. that witnessed this light. Yeah. One of them had these night vision binoculars, mm -hmm. and the other one was taking photos. Mm -hmm. Both of them could see the light. However, only the one that was looking through the binoculars was able to actually view the tunnel. And it's not because of the distance, but it's actually because of the perspective. So whatever, I think it's infrared that the night vision binoculars were, like it, it doesn't see through the visible spectrum because okay. it's changing the filter. Okay. So it's it's going through either infrared or some other sort of wavelength. And whatever that wavelength was able to be viewed through actually made the tunnel appear 3D when it wasn't 3D when you're looking at it with the naked eye. And only through the binoculars could this creature be seen. So it was like a fourth dimensional creature? Possibly. <gasps> or just other dimensional in general. That just made it more mysterious. I thought you were going to be like, only one of them saw it and the other one just agreed. And then I was going to no. be like, what the fuck did you tell me that story for? You just made it more mysterious. Well, see, it's a little it's a little confusing. And, I, that, and that does explain why they couldn't really capture anything on the camera other than just the light. And it, I don't know, man. I, that would definitely explain the portals in the sky, too, because we kind of hinted that in the first episode that these things could have been extra dimensional. Yeah, though, I will say people have been using night vision goggles like this for a while. So you'd think that, that stuff like that would have shown up. True. OK. I, and there were a lot of things I skipped over in regards to their investigative tools because of how filthy rich this team was. They had the highest end tools at their disposal. And they go through the specs of these things, and they're way over my head. Okay. But whatever night vision goggles they had, they were top of the line, just massively expensive. Huh. And they said, like, usually with night vision goggles, it allows you to see in the dark, basically, and that's the extent of it. But their binoculars looked like it was daytime, just with a green tinge. Okay. 
So perfectly visible. Interesting. Let's go through some other possibilities. Natural phenomena. So that, that could explain a lot of the aerial things, like the lights in the sky, possibly even Swamp some gas. of the UFO uh, encounters. I don't know, though. Natural phenomenon. Well, I guess it could potentially explain some of the animals, like it's just an un- undiscovered species in the area. Or just your brain's kind of tricking you into seeing what you want to see. Right. So like maybe that first encounter that the family had with the wolf, it was literally just a wolf. But because it was acting so weird, they assumed it was larger than it was or something. Right. Or the tracks that they found, you know, they may look bizarre, but there may be some rational explanation that a regular animal left them. What about military? So that was my... My, like, kind of government conspiracy thought, but then if that were the case, why would they just let random families live on it? Let's look I mean, I guess, at, like, uh, as an experiment, Yeah, maybe? I was going to say, what about MKUltra, when they're testing on American citizens? Maybe, maybe initially the Gorman family was the perfect test subject because they had no idea what was happening and they were just average ranch hands or ranchers. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of scientific value, one test subject, one family isn't really Well, it's great. appearing to other ranches in the area too. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And I suppose other people aren't quite as willing to talk about it, but I, I don't know. I guess I... I can't imagine that the government would be like, hey, let's do all of this top secret, probably incredibly expensive and dangerous shit. And illegal, I'm sure, for trespassing. Sure. And then just like sell it to a family. It just seems it seems like that would be like Area 51, like no one's allowed on it. That's government property. Here's the only thing that I think holds water with the argument that it's a military experiment. As soon as NIDS arrives, all of this activity dies down. I mean, they still experience things, but nowhere near as often as the Gormans did before the team was on site. But how would the military have been, like, triggering these things? I guess... We don't know. Yeah. How would you know? But the thing is, if, if it was an intelligent being or organization that's you know on the ranch or near the ranch and watching over everything they would know when the enclosures are built for the dogs when this trailer was built so they know that new people are coming and they're able to see them with all their equipment right i just i don't know for some reason that's a little (laughs) it's unbelievable to me as much as i love a government conspiracy that one doesn't make sense well what about this as an explanation an advanced terrestrial civilization. Not extraterrestrial, but something already on Earth. Like a hidden society, like Atlantis. Or just something that is able to hide in, in plain sight, like a skinwalker. So what if skinwalkers yeah. are not just witches in Native American or uh, in their communities, but what if skinwalkers actually exist and get together with each other get together meaning like Like, make babies no no like (laughs) like form their own small community okay 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 maybe this community was skinwalker ranch interesting interesting now 
I guess that's a, that's a very loose way to tie all of these random events together, though. Right. This I don't find it believable, but I guess you could argue like in the same way that there could be tribes of Bigfoot hiding around. There could be. You're getting ahead of me. Groups. I'm going to get there. I'm going to lump Dr. Kelleher's last two possible explanations together because they are pretty much related. Okay. Aliens and or other dimensional beings. Okay, well, aliens is always the answer. It's well, straight up aliens. With with this story, it's definitely possible and would explain the a lot of the things. The lights, the UFOs, the tunnels, the portals. Yeah. It doesn't explain the wolves, though. Well, how do we know that the weird-ass creature that came out of that tunnel wasn't one of those wolves? The the weird creature that came out of the tunnel definitely could be something else, like an alien life form. But the first creature that they witnessed was literally just a oversized wolf. What if it was some sort of disguise? Not even disguise, I guess, like, what is the word I want to say? Like a filter, like they saw it as a wolf, but really it was... Like, it presented itself as a wolf, but it wasn't. That's been talked as a possibility by a lot of people because, if you remember, very soon before the Gormans move off the ranch, they encountered a camouflaged beast that scared that weird hippie dude that was meditating on the property. So it's possible. It's aliens. Here's my theory. Aliens? Bigfoot. No. How? Bigfoot? Glowing orbs? Yes. A All lot right, of, explain. A lot of, yes, a lot of people think that Bigfoot is not just a mountain man or a large ape of some kind. People do actually think that Bigfoot is an other dimensional being. The reason that there's no actual true evidence of Bigfoot graves, droppings, good footage, is because it can travel by will or at will through some sort of other dimensional means. Like a tube, like a tunnel. a tunnel. That creature that came out was a large. Can I point out though, creature? I'm before you move forward at mm-hmm. all. Its feet were only six inches. It's that, a little no, no, foot no, no, at no. most. That could have been something else. Because I'm talking about the thing that came out of the tunnel, not the thing that was perched in the tree and at the bushes when they. But shot you just said it. those were potentially the same animal. Potent? No, no. The the other one at the tree line. Could have been the same animal when it took over that dude's mind. Okay. okay. So those were separate instances. Bigfoot could be. No, it couldn't. No. Hold on. <laughs> if you think if you think aliens are a thing, you got to think that Bigfoot could be an alien. Okay. Yes, you're right. If Bigfoot was an alien, it, it's. I just. To me, then it's not Bigfoot. The concept of Bigfoot to me is terrestrial undiscovered man beast that's why some people that's what some people think but a lot of other people are starting to think like actual bigfoot believers think that this is not a earth native well then it's not a cryptid then it's an alien well you can make the argument aliens are also cryptids just no undocumented species no, 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 no. If I was like, hey, list cryptids, you would never say alien. If you go on whatever wiki that all the cryptids are on, aliens are yeah, on there. Yeah, trust, trust the wiki. <laughs> okay, let me finish my theory, please. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Bigfoot is an intelligent other dimensional being. Okay. Bigfoot uses these orbs as its own version of a camera. 
where okay. it can witness everything that's happening on the ranch. Evidence of this is when that blue orb was near the homestead, while two other little orbs, the red ones, were messing with the cattle and the horses, driving a lot of cattle to injury and death. Okay. So Bigfoot's watching all of this happen. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot is a skinwalker. All of these legends, these tales, the mythos of the skinwalker, what if it's Bigfoot? I'm sorry, can you just take the word Bigfoot and replace it with alien? Because that's what you're talking about. Yes. Why Bigfoot? Why because, Bigfoot? Because its natural form is Bigfoot. Its regular, original form but nobody's... is a seven-foot-tall, stinky-ass creature because they smelled that smell. When nobody they... saw a Bigfoot when or they got... prints from a Bigfoot. When they got to that tunnel... It smelled rancid, like a lot of people say Bigfoot smells like. There are. Have you smelled a wild animal at all? They all have a stank no, about them. Bigfoot notoriously smells worse than anything else. I just, where are the feet? Where are the feet? My question is, what <laughs> makes it a Bigfoot versus anything else? Why are you so mad? I just, you're ruining Bigfoot. You're no, giving no, him a I'm, reputation no, that I he am, doesn't deserve. Colleen. Colleen. Yes? I am adding so much to Bigfoot because if Bigfoot is not an other dimensional being, Bigfoot does not exist. We would have found Bigfoot if it was a terrestrial thing. You don't know that. I do know that. No, there are plenty of undiscovered species that get yeah, found tiny, every tiny little so birds and things on random islands and in the jungles of the Amazon, sure. But not a giant seven foot tall ape man. That's just living next to Portland. What do you mean it hasn't been discovered? We got books and pictures and drawings of Bigfoot yes, all the time. Yes, but not, not good enough evidence where we can actually find droppings that we can analyze with its DNA. Bigfoot is an other dimensional being. And it's toying with us. Bigfoot is a friendly man beast that lives in the... Pacific Northwest. That also decides to vaporize dogs. No, with he its has orb. nothing to do with vapor. He eats raw fish, and he uh, he hasn't mastered fire yet. He's a Bigfoot. Those are the theories. Okay. If um, you're if you have a different theory, or if you agree with one theory over another, maybe, like aliens, or maybe it's just a hoax. We don't know. But a lot of this is unexplained. I do also want to point out that doing research for Skinwalker Ranch was very tough because a lot of the stories that come up about Skinwalker Ranch are how Post Malone recently yeah, visited Skinwalker Ranch. That. And I don't care about it, even though it's kind of funny. But <laughs> the only was... thing that pisses me off the most about this is Skinwalker Ranch isn't open to the public, which is what makes it even more mysterious. Which, so how did Post Malone even get there? He drove that tank that he drives <laughs> in sometimes. No, he, I'm sure, paid a ton of money to whoever currently owns it. And I will point out, Robert Bigelow still does not own Skinwalker Ranch. It has changed hands uh, several times over the last decade. Mm -hmm. um, what if he was paid off to stop his investigation? I think he was upset because they couldn't find anything after... You know, that first year to two years, nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because whatever is on the ranch is intelligent enough to know to stay in hiding or just leave when they're being watched. What if, hear me out, Hollow Earth, Skinwalker Ranch is the only opening from which to enter and exit the inside of the Earth? What about volcanoes? <laughs> no, there's, there's. how do you survive the magma? I mean, we're talking about a hollow earth. Yeah. <laughs> the earth is not hollow. I guarantee that. 
Um, All right. So yeah, tell tell us what you think. I mean, this is definitely something that I had a lot of fun researching, but it's so infuriating because there are no answers. Well, I love that story. That's a great story. And it has inspired a listener to reach out to us. You have not read this story or heard this story, but it fits perfectly with part one of Skinwalker Ranch. When we're talking about the... they saw the big wolf and they shot at it mm-hmm. and it was like friendly and lumbering at least to like get them into a salt false yes. sense of security okay yes. so this story comes from one of our listeners i shouldn't call it a like it when i say story that makes it sound like made up this is a a listener a listener experience <laughs> yeah, listener experience <laughs> okay this comes to us from doc astro Ooh. And he mentions that his mother is a member of the Lakota Nation. Okay. And I only bring that up because you had mentioned that indigenous people don't generally like to talk about skinwalkers. Right. So at the time of this story, it sounds like he didn't know what a skinwalker was or that it existed. So this is. He he does now, but at the time of this story happening, he does. Yes. Okay. Right. So. Let's get into it. My family has mountain land that's been in the family for many, many years. We used to camp there a lot before we went to college and stuff. At night, after the fire was put out and while you waited to fall asleep, the thing that always comes to my mind is how howling the wind is. You're surrounded by tall pine trees that don't have branches until the very top, so the forest is essentially a lot of bare trees with a decent canopy. Which isn't important to the story, but it just sets the scene. (laughs) And he sent a picture, and he's right. Bear trees with some nice canopy. The way you say bear trees, I think they're trees made out of bears. Oh, (laughs) I was picturing like... Barren trees. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, when we were kids, my sibling and I were camping, and I needed to use the bathroom, which really meant going to the designated log and hole in the ground around the campsite. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, the the poop hole. Mm -hmm. However, it was located a decent way away from camp because it smelled bad. Good idea. My mother woke up and took us to the the poop location. The the potty. The potty. Took us potty. Note, this region of the Rockies does not have any wolves. There are wolves at the base of the mountains, but not in the mountains. And you'll get lone wolves now and again, but those are incredibly, incredibly rare. Sure. So we went to the bathroom just fine. The wind is howling the whole time, and we make our way back to the campsite. The The potty is about 100 to 200 feet from the <laughs> campsite. I'm going to call it the potty, the camp potty. That's still quite a ways away. Like, what if you really have to go? Well, that's why the, he had his mom take him and his No, I just sibling. mean in general, that's, that's a pretty big distance. Like, what if it's an emergency? You run. <laughs> Don't okay. ask me. I don't camp. Anyways. I'm sorry. I'm in a combative mood because he did not <laughs> like my Bigfoot story. <laughs> okay, back to the story. We start heading back to the camp and my mom stops us dead in our tracks because between us and the campsite, so like 50 to 100 feet away from us, is a wolf just right there. I was like 10 and my blood ran cold and I hate seeing wolves in person even in a zoo today. So we just stood there, not moving, waiting for it to go on. It didn't look aggressive. It was just staring at us. 
much like the story from Skinwalker Ranch Part 1. Mm-hmm. It started slowly lumbering towards us. Again, no signs of aggression whatsoever, but logically, it's still a bad situation. So my mom wasn't about to play any games with a wolf if it's coming towards us. And she carries this really small revolver that he mentions is pink, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> this really small pink revolver for personal defense up there for things like bears and moose and stuff. That's I don't know that uh, I re- no, no, won't do too much damage. Well, I don't. I, I probably I for scaring something yes, away. For sure. I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I know nothing about better guns. than nothing for sure. Right. So she unloads one round at the wolf and it doesn't flinch or move or anything. She shot a second time. Still no movement. At the third shot, it completely stopped walking and stood still, stared at them and then lumbered off. We watched it go for a minute or so before darting off to the camper and hunkering down because me and my sister were fucking shook. Yeah. The reason this is a skinwalker story is because my mom claimed that she definitely hit the wolf with two of those three shots, but it didn't bleed or react. I have no idea if she found any proof of it the next morning because she told us to keep away. She burned a ton of sage and some other stuff before we left, and that's when she decided to fill my sister and I in on the legend of skinwalkers. Dang. And it's so weird how how actually very similar that story yeah. was to the first one, because even the the approach was the same. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of slowly, you know, trotting towards them. The shots were made. No bleeding. Mm-hmm. No, like, pain whatsoever. Then it just goes away. I do like how he even confirms what you said about people not wanting to talk about skinwalkers like right. unless you have to. Well that's yeah, that's definitely com- super common knowledge because Well, I they- didn't know. I just think it's it's cool how well it pairs in with the previous Yeah. Episode. Thank you so- very much for sending us that story because it's so cool to actually hear a first-hand first-hand account of it. Yeah. I asked him if it was like bigger than regular wolf. Like I was trying to trying to see how similar it was to yeah. the skinwalker story. He said it was a little bit bigger than a regular wolf, but he always assumed it was just a rogue wolf that tend, and I guess they tend to get bigger than others. But if you come from the viewpoint that she definitely did hit it and it was a skinwalker, then the larger size makes it a bit weird. Yeah. I think that's awesome, dude. I've always wondered to doing this research uh, for, for skinwalkers, since they are able to change form at will. Can they like change their mass? So like, for, for instance, like that that wolf in the Gorman story, it was three times the size of a wolf. Was it a large person that's able to transform into that large wolf? Or can it just be a normal sized person that grows in weight well, and size? So that's my question, because then you would be very limited into the amount of animals you'd be able to become. Or it would just be an un- unnaturally sized version of that animal, just like in the trees, that team thinks it was a bird of prey, but it was several hundred pounds. So maybe it's a person that changed into a bird of prey, but it has to maintain the same mass. That would be um, interesting because that would be very not subtle at all. I mean, obviously, if if it was a 400-pound owl, I feel like it would have been spotted at some point. True. But skinwalkers can camouflage themselves, too, as seen in that hippie meditating story yeah if you are gonna assume that's a skinwalker true 
yeah, like I said, there's no consensus on what this is. I mean, people assume definitely some of the creature encounters were skinwalkers, but again, if it's Skinwalker Ranch, that doesn't explain the UFOs and the lights and the orbs. Like, what what is going on there? Yeah. Hopefully we find out in the next few decades, just with advancements in technology. Yeah, I bet night vision goggles are way more... Up to up to date. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today's yeah. episode. Thank you, Doc Astro. Yeah, Great you, story. Thank you again. That that is awesome that we got a firsthand story about a skinwalker too. Um, but if you have your own uh, experience, or if you just want to send us uh, a different type of story, definitely send it our way. You can send it to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. All are at Nerdsloth HQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com and put a little spooky in the subject line. Yeah, and we really do hope that you enjoyed the story of Skinwalker Ranch. And next week, Colleen will be starting a new topic for us. Yes, it will not be a two-part series. It's going to be (laughs) action-packed in one episode. All right, well, we will catch you all on the flip side. That's right. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.